Lions in the camp? More like Pussycat in the ring. Anthony Yard struggled against Lyndon Arthur, whose jab one-handedly won him the fight. This is After the Bell, Mirror Fighting's boxing show in association with Betfair. The Mirror brings you After the Bell in association with Betfair. Hello and welcome to this week's show with me, Martin Dorman, with George Groves and with Declan Taylor. Plenty to talk about once again. Before I do, I know I bang on about it every week, about subscribing, about liking the video, but it is important and it's even more important this week because from next week, on Sunday, we'll be live. Live to the world on Twitter, on Facebook, on YouTube, unedited. Coming to you with truly the first word on Saturday Night's Fights. So to make sure you don't miss it, please do subscribe to the channel. And if you listen via podcast, please well, also subscribe if you can. And while you're there, do leave us a rating and a review. Now, back to business. I said plenty to get through, three fights to look back on, starting with Lyndon Arthur's victory over Anthony Yard. We'll then switch over to Texas, where Errol Spence returned against Danny Garcia. And then go back to Friday night where Billy Joe Saunders beat Martin Murray. And we'll finish off with a look ahead to Anthony Joshua's return against Kubra Pulev on Saturday night. Gents, it was a great week for the jab last weekend with Joe Joyce against Daniel Dubois. Another good weekend for the jab on Saturday night with Lyndon Arthur. He narrowly but deservedly beat Anthony Yard to retain his Commonwealth light heavyweight title. George talk me through Lyndon Arthur. We should say, of course, he did hurt his right hand in the warm-up, so he had little chance, little choice, sorry, but to jab. Uh, he only had one hand, but we talked about it last week. It was always going to be an important shot, and it was the shot that won him the fight. Yeah, it was. It was, just, it was definitely the shot that won him the fight because he, <laughs> he was unable to throw any other shot. So um, it was a close scorecard. I mean, personally, I thought, I've said it online, I had um, Yard edging it, you know, not much in it. Uh, maybe a round or so, but um, could have gone either way. And for me, um, like everyone else, you know, um, Yard's, Yard's trainer, uh, Tundi, it comes under a lot of stick, especially from the boxing community. Um, but really, there, there should have been a little bit more energy in the corner telling him, look, these rounds are close. Let's have a little bit more activity from you. Obviously, he had the, the more variety of shots. He was landing um, good body shots, a um, couple of right hands went over the top, but um, he just didn't impose himself enough on the fight and let Arthur, um, yeah, control it from the jab, control it from the jab. Always touched him. Um, even Arthur's jab wasn't that committal that night, you know. If he did have a sore right hand, he did let it go a couple of times and he, and he landed a good, good right hand early on in the fight. And late and late on in the fight, but that's how specific it was. It was like two that went in and and uh, and landed. But um, yeah, a good a great performance for Arthur. You know, I think he rose to the occasion. As such, you know, Yard's been in with a you know higher quality opposition. Um, took 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 it at face value as well. In that you know his, his analysis after the fight was that um, it was close. He felt he won, and for me, the, there's no real argument about. You know the um, 
the decision. I know um, one judge had a yard by I think five or six rounds, which a lot of people were appalled by. But I suppose how you want how you want to score how you want to score the shots, you know, um, and have, therefore score the rounds. Yard was the more aggressive, um, pressed the fight, but just not enough activity. Just definitely not enough activity. Um, but 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 great word. To go to a, like a technical breakdown, so you've got you've got yard. Um, I mean, like talking about it earlier, you've got his back leg is almost behind his front leg, um, makes him a very difficult target to hit. You know, he likes to hide behind the shoulder, roll off the shoulder, and let his hands go. Um, he's got a good jab, a really good jab, but he doesn't punch off of it often. And if you're going to have that peekaboo sort of style, where not peekaboo where your hands are up like this, but hidden behind the shoulder. You have to roll with the shots. You're going to have to be encourage the guy in front of you to commit. And if he's not committing, then you're going to have to force the pace. And so not necessarily just with your feet. You want to trap him into a corner where he's got nowhere to go. And then you have to let your hands go. And the second that you let your hands go, um, head defense, uh, upper body defense after it and go with it. Um, but Yard just didn't, didn't do that. Didn't get going. Didn't, didn't let his hands go. Um, and kind of threw the fight away, in my opinion. He should, he should, he should have put, started not pulling the trigger, but he should have because he doesn't have a problem pulling the trigger. He just doesn't engage. He should have been letting his hands go simply um, from you know three rounds in. Once you've settled into the fight, you know, gauge what the guy in front of you's got, what the rhythm's going to be. Um, let your hands go, and he didn't. He didn't, and he paid the price. Paid the price. He got a loss of his record. Dick. <sighs> I'm going to mention this because uh, we, we should give credit where credit is due. You did flag up on Twitter the split decision in favour of Lyndon Arthur at a place of 40 to 1. What you didn't do was mention it on the show last week, but I'm going to, I'm going to let you off. It, it was always billed as, as a sort of boxer against a puncher. And we talked about uh, Lyndon Arthur's jab last week. But it has to be as much about, as George just said, about yards tactics and baffling tactics a little bit as it was about Arthur's jab. Yeah, I mean, tactic. it's hard with the tactics because it sort of looked like there weren't any and I'm sure that wasn't, the, that wasn't the case. I think there was three factors in play and I don't know whether it was a combination of all three, but one of them is that he struggled, to, he seemed to struggle to close the distance. Whether he really struggled to do it, as in whether he can't do it or whether he just didn't, I can't really make out because then 12th round, he had no problem doing it. And it looked like he could stop Arthur even in the 12th. So it's like, why didn't he do this in the third round? So that makes me wonder whether then the problem is that actually he was getting hit by that sharp jab constantly. So that made him think twice about closing the distance. And then also the third factor, I think, is the, the corner, the, the advice and the instructions from the corner. Because what you, what you should have is a coach in there going, you're leaving this on the table, mate. Like, what, what are you doing? There's, you know, you're missing opportunities here. You're, stand, you're waiting too long. You're, you're waiting too long. And, and nothing's happening. And then before you know it, pop, he's popped you with a jab. You've got to reset and start again. And then the round's over and the judges are going, what actually happened in that round? Oh, Lyndon Arthur landed three jabs and Yard did nothing. Cool round to Arthur. It's not like he, he absolutely schooled him or outboxed him or anything like that. It was just marginal, particularly the first sort of half of the fight, which I thought was reasonably easy to score. Arthur just racking up rounds without really having to do anything. And it's funny because he did... Injury, well, so we hear he injured his hand in the warm up, or it was some old injury, and the painkiller didn't work, or whatever it was, he wasn't throwing the right hand. But actually, he didn't need to. He really didn't need to. So it was almost like 
even if his hand was 100%, he, could, he was winning rounds without jab, without, with just the jab, the odd lead hook, not a lot. And it was like, well, he didn't even need to throw right hand anyway. It was just a bizarre fight. And it sort of, then you get, you get to the end bit and you sort of like, this could be a split decision actually, because there's nothing in it. And I thought there would be nothing in it, but I didn't see it being that sort of fight. I thought it would be a close one. We've seen Yard struggle, well, not struggle, but you know, he's an explosive puncher. So we hear, but he has um, often, it's taken him longer than you would think to get rid of certain people. Um, and he's hammered away at people and he, or he bounced people up and down and they haven't, and they, you know, they keep kept getting up. So I wonder about the power could be a thing to do with what George was mentioning, that back foot being behind the left, you know, the, the rotation and the power on the backhand in particular is maybe not um, as much as it could be for a man of his size and, and strength. Um, so I just thought it would look like a distance fight to me. And as soon as you get a distance fight, particularly these days, you're just never really sure in a fight that's pretty close. And especially someone like Arthur, who's not going to give anything away. So that's why the split seemed appealing to me. What I didn't expect is for to get another appalling card like that. Well, to be fair, I did expect it. Um, it it's not really surprising anymore. Um, I mean, that was a mad one. What I'm sure we'll get onto it. What the most disappointing thing or worrying thing is Anthony Yard's post-fight interview. Because he's a really, you know, he's a nice guy, intelligent, knows his boxing. And there was no, not even a, a glimpse of, okay, I'd messed up there. That maybe I didn't get that right or whatever. It was like, no, that was a robbery. I pushed, I won that fight. Um, and I wonder, hopefully, if he goes back and watches it again, that stance might soften a bit because um, I think the rounds that he lost, he lost reasonably comfy. Um, and part of me wonders whether it's actually, it was great. It was a great performance from Arthur, but I think that Yard, like, like George said, he threw it away. I think it was there, the fight was there for the taking, and he didn't, he didn't, and he couldn't take it. Yeah, I, I couldn't believe he used the word robbery. It's it's such it's thrown around so much anyway. But I mean, that was bizarre. But yeah, we will come on to that and his team. But George, if it should have been no surprise, surely to Yard that, that uh, Arthur was going to jab. So if somebody's basically relying on the jab and only the jab, what do you do? How what ways could could Yard have nullified that and then brought his own? Attacks the table. Yeah, so I mean, what I think I've said it already as well. So you know, it's it's not a fair assessment actually if I think about it because it's like Yard didn't do enough. Um, if he'd done more, then he would have won the fight. And you 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 base that off off in the last round. He let his hands go and it looked like he hurt um, Arthur. And you know, if he'd done that earlier, it would have been chased. But come back to a point that was kind of said earlier. Is this that like? He only needed the jab, Arthur, and that was it. And he felt like he was he was uh, winning the rounds. So he didn't really do anything else. If he's a right hand saw, he was he was um, sparing with it, hardly threw it, but did throw it. And when he did, he had success. Um, if he had had to, if he'd been under a bit more pressure, under a bit more fire, and he had to fight differently, then it might have been a totally different fight. And Arthur might have boxed totally different and, and even won clearer. So we don't know. They're all hypotheticals. But it's inter it's really interesting. Like I thought about it recently, actually. I was on a drive and my mind was wandering. And I was a pro for 10 years. I've watched an awful lot of boxing. But no one's ever actually sat down to me and said, This is how you score a fight. What how do you how do you win a round? Like, how do you win a round? Is it who lands the most amount of shots? Is it who lands the better looking shots? Is it the guy who presses the presses the fight? Is it the guy who lands one big power shot, even though he didn't land anything else the entire round. 
And it's kind of like, I don't know, is there an answer? Is there a, yeah, so is there a book out there that yeah, says so we've got, how you win so around? We've got the parameters you've got, and it's effective aggression, defense, ring generalship, and shots. Effective. But, what, but, but what's the most important thing? What, well, see, this is the problem, is that they are then open to interpretation. I remember reading, um, they did a like a seminar thing with the rep, top refs in America, and basically they had boiled it down, actually, into scoring shots. So forget all of that, those parameters. When you really think about it, all of them come down to scoring shots. So if someone, say Anthony Yard scored, was the one who got the most scoring shots off, that means that Arthur's defence wasn't that great. Maybe Yard's ring generalship was better because he's the one scoring the shots. The aggression was therefore effective because it's landing. So there was this idea that actually when you really think about those normal parameters, it's the scoring shots that's the thing. And this is the whole problem, isn't it? That, okay, there are parameters, but it is subjective because, yeah, there were a couple of rounds where they both didn't do anything, but probably both landed maybe three jabs each during the round. And one of Arthur's made Yard's head go back like that. So then people go, okay, that'll do Yard, uh, Arthur round. But it's like, that's probably a level. That's probably level. And then you get a thing where people go, well, you shouldn't score level rounds. It's like, well, nothing's happened. So in the, in the course of a fight, you, if you just keep giving marginal rounds to someone because they've done something at some point that you vaguely remember, then you get these weird, weird cards. But I know what you mean. That's the whole problem. That's the whole problem with it. And like, with you, yeah, so you, if you're watching it, how, what do you rate better? Like Yard yeah. said in his interview, he was like, I was pressing the fight. And it's like, yeah, I mean, if you watch the fight, he was probably, he's the one sort of moving, creeping forward, trying to land something. But if he's not landing anything and getting a jab back, is that really forcing the fight? Who, mm. like, who do you score? It's, a, it, it's definitely, you're right. It's, it's like, it, if that's what you're going off, then, that, you know, like the things that the referees have come together is, again, how do you, <laughs> how do you score a fight? How do you call that? Because if Yard genuinely thinks that all he's got to do is step forward to win a round, um, then he could he, he he's fully entitled to give his interview at the end of the fight and go, "How have I lost this fight? I pressed the yeah. fight." <laughs> you know, um, if his corner think the same and his corner have told him just keep just keep keep applying the pressure, but that's such a vague sentence to give to a fighter. It's like. How do you know you need to land some shots? Like ultimately, it's landing shots, and yeah, is it landing shots or landing shots that knock the guy's head back? You know, are you going to score body shots? You know, are you? Um... <laughs> it yeah, I mean, it. I don't know. I don't know. It was uh, something that came to me recently, and I was thinking, ah, oh, have I missed something here? Was there like, was there an introduction to the start of this is exactly how you win a fight? Um, that's the problem for you, though, George. You've knocked everyone out, though, didn't you? So you didn't have no, to worry about it. No. <laughs> I wish, I wish. But, um, <laughs> yeah, you know, um, I found that, I found that, I found that really, really interesting. Um, and that's probably, there's a reason why it's like this. Just adds to the debate, adds to the opinion, keeps fueling the sport, keeps propelling it forward. Um that's how, I, that's how I made, that's probably how I edged it to, to Yard and others gave it clearly to uh, to Arthur. So it's, you know, what what you after, would you appreciate, how do you, um, how do you score, you know? Um, but yeah, yeah, sorry. There was a point as well where Yard's corner said he's just running. But he's not just running. This came up with the Kovalev-Ward fight, the first one in particular, 
where, yeah, Kovalev's the one stalking Ward the whole time, stalking him, stalking him, stalking him. But then Ward actually is defending well and a lot of it's hitting gloves and he's moving out of the way. So it's like, in those parameters, defense is just as important as effective aggression. So then who do you, if it's level actually, because you know, one's going like that, one's going like that, who do you possibly score to? And that's why you always get this horrible phrase, it's what you like. And it was kind of like that yesterday, but I felt that still on the face of it, when you watch the round, especially the first sort of half, maybe first eight rounds of the fight, it was basically quite clear that Yard was not effective in any way. So then how do you give him a round? Um, mm. So then that's, that's difficult, isn't it? And that's why you get judges going go totally different ways. Mm. But Ian John Lewis didn't just give him one round. He essentially gave him nine, you know, to score him by six. Now, I know this will be, George, you've said you, you had the fight in favour of Yard, but I suspect it wasn't by six rounds. I think you're probably two either way within that sort of margin. But six, it will probably be overlooked in, you know, in time, but it shouldn't be. You can't, these cards, if one of the other judges had gone just one round the other way, then, then it changes the whole fight. Yeah, but you have a, you have a different winner. Um, straight back to the point line. How, how are you going to score the fight? So, in them, if nothing if nothing's happening in the first four rounds, but you're appreciating Arthur's jab because you because you expect um, Yard to be putting it on him and he's not, you're like, well, Yard must be um, Arthur must be doing better than before. We give him that round. All of a sudden, he's four rounds ahead. Like yeah. he's only got to win three more rounds and survive the fight. Like, and he's won, he's got the decision, but you might be, you might have that a bit more split. You might have that three, one to yard, you know, um, because there's nothing happening. Like th there's not a lot in it. You know, yard might have caught him with a, you know, he might have shown a bit more variety and um, even not even landed the right hand, but thrown it, you know, and it just like a cuffing shot or something. And you're like, well, it's hard. It's hard to evaluate a full three minutes, you know, at the end of it. I don't know how, how the, the judges do it these days, whether they're marking, they've got like a little tally system for each round, but you see the cards where they've just gone 10-9, 9-10 as they go along. Um, and that's why you're told, like, how many fighters for, for decades, like, you know, the last minute of the round, win the last minute, or the last 10 seconds. The Mexican fighters just do it all the time. They hear that clack, 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 and then what are we just letting their hands go? And they've only got to catch you with a few in the end of that round. And if you go, if you're a judge and you're going, absolutely nothing happened that round, but you know, Barrera landed three, <laughs> three right hands at the end of you know end of the round. Um, I've got to yeah, score him the round. I think you, I think you've hit, hit the nail on the head though, because it's one of them where <laughs> those rounds were there for the taking. So why wasn't someone, why wasn't someone in Yard's corner saying, step on it in 30 seconds, step on it, you win this round, just do something. Do something. But, and both of them, would because Arthur probably thought, right, I've won this round pretty comfy now. I'm just going to set up, shut up shop for the last day. So why is someone not saying to him, jump on him, try and hit him with something? And that's the problem. Then you get to the corner and he says, lines in the camp. It's like, well, no, why don't you say to him, you're doing nothing in these rounds. Why don't you hit him? With, why don't you just try this shot? Why, his right hand's gone. He didn't, there was no talk about the right hand being gone until like the seventh round or something. Mad. And that, I, I totally agree with you. I think there's a lot to be said for that last 30 seconds. The same thing would happen in amateur boxing. Your coach would say, there's 30 seconds left. Or even before the fight, they'd say to you, or before the bout, they'd say, do keep it tight for the first minute and then turn it on in for the second minute. And nine times out of 10, as long as you don't ship anything in the first minute, you're going to win that round in a three-round fight. So it's like, you've got 12 rounds to do something like that. And that, that's what I couldn't see. I didn't see the, the strategy. And... 
Also, the one other one that sprung to mind was the um, was Frampton Quigg, where a similar thing happened, um, and and Quigg's coach thought that they were ahead. So then there was a lack of urgency and a lack of well, we need to change something. And I think that's what happened yesterday. There was no no one thought in there. We got to change that. This is slipping away from us. No one can see that, and that's a worry. I think that's a that's a concern. Mm. But I think there are wider questions, aren't there, about Yard's team? There were questions. I mean, obviously, while they were winning, it was all fine. But their methods have always been questioned. You know, saying they don't do any sparring, and, and there were some questions after the Kovalev fight, and there will definitely be some questions after this fight. In terms of what's next, is the worry not that? I mean, you said earlier you hope that Yard goes back and watches it and sort of re reanalyzes it. But if he's got all these people still this morning or tomorrow and next week saying you were robbed, you were winning that fight, we're not changing anything, he can't possibly improve or change for the better. Yeah, I mean, you can see, you can still sit on him and say you've been robbed. I don't think it's the, I don't, I wouldn't advise it the way, but but if anything, all he just needs to take away from that is. You didn't clearly win the rounds, you know. You need to pick up your activity. And whether there's um, something in the back of his mind uh, in terms of conditioning, if he's worried about wasting shots or gassing out or, you know. And, uh, you know, that's a, fair, that's a fair thing for every fighter to have, you know. Um, worrying about over-expenditure, you know, through a particular round or taking a bit longer to go. But just coming back to a simple thing as, right, I'm going to give you a shout on the, you know, minute, 45 seconds, 30 seconds, end of the round. If nothing's happened, then put it on him. Because you might miss something. You might, you might, 30 seconds, you might go in a bit wild, miss a few shots, um, and, you know, it might waste a bit of energy. But you've got a full minute, you know, coming real soon to recover from it. And you should have the conditioning to have your heart rate back to where it should be, you know, if you're feeling, feeling refreshed within a minute. You know, you've been training your whole life in these three-minute, one-minute rest segments, you know. Um, even if you, even if, it takes practice, and that's where I come back to maybe sparring as well. You need, you need, maybe you need to be drilling this in sparring, because yeah, sure you can go wild, miss, and get caught, and end up losing the round anyway. But still, if you drill that properly, and you want to be that sort of fighter, people anticipate it. You know, they'll 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 know they'll know that you know you're going to have large lulls within a fight, and you're going to come on strong at the end of the round if that's the sort of fighter you want to be. But um, you got you got to pick up your activity, man. You just got to pick up your activity. A fight will be easier if you start hurting someone um, from round three. Then you you know you hear fighters talk about and you know I could have done that all night long. I could have done a hundred rounds. So yes, yeah, because you're bashing the guy in front of you from pillar to post. You're throwing a lot of power shots. You should be tired, but you know you're not missing and you're not getting nothing back. So it's easy. I I think. I truly think that um, yeah, there should have been a lot of emphasis from the from the corner telling him to to kick on. But um, I think there was maybe a bit of conditioning um, thoughts in the back of Yard's mind where he didn't wanna didn't wanna get tired, especially seeing as you know it's public knowledge like that he emptied the tank against Kovalev, and then that's a horrible horrible feeling to be in when you're that exhausted. Um, and you still got rounds to do in a big fight. Um, but that was the total parallel opposite of what it was last night. Um, I'm sure he's woke up this morning. He's not stiff. He's not tired. He's not, you know, he ain't got doms or anything else. He's probably thinking, you know, 
I left a lot on the table there. Yeah, use it or lose it, you know. Michael Johnson, 400 metres. So go out and hit it hard and hang on. Um, it doesn't matter that it's 12 rounds. You still got to do the same. It's very difficult to build into a fight. Have the first six rounds off and build into a fight. You need to impose yourself from the get-go. And um, then the fight's easier. Yeah, I promise you, it's always easier um, when, when, when you're in full flow and you, you know, you're landing big shots. It's got, it's got to be got to be where Yard goes now. He's a power puncher. He wants to hurt the guys in front of him and then have an easy night's work. Not be you know, fencing with them, playing them games and, yeah, just not, not letting his hands go. There have been some calls for a rematch, of course, I'm sure, if it happens. <laughs> yeah, I mean... I don't think anyone's particularly enthusiastic about it, but it probably is a fight that might lend itself to one. And I'm sure Lyndon Arthur, with two working hands, would have no concerns about taking it again, Dick, especially if Yard doesn't go back to the drawing board. Yeah, it's not one of those fights where you're like, I oh, def- desperately want to see that again. What could only... Ima- I found it absorbing, like I found it entertaining in a, in, a sort of, in a sort of way. I would expect the rematch to be far more entertaining because you would think that they'd just know, oh, let's get on him early, let's not... You know, leave this in the in the judge's hands or whatever, or maybe maybe he just can't. He, he's going to struggle with that style the whole time. I thought it was going to be a bad one for him just because of the length and stuff like that and the, the dimensions and whatever. But yeah, I would assume, considering like Buatzi fight and stuff like that, it seemed to be hard to make because of the divide. It's a it's an obvious one to make, and yeah, like you say, Arthur would fancy himself to be better in the rematch, and obviously Yard would as well. Um, I'm really interested to see what Yard does next because there were questions and stuff after the Kovalev fight about his preparation, his conditioning, um, I mean, just the tactics and everything else because he did great in that fight. I mean, he almost won it. It was a couple of, you know, a couple of shots, big shots away from winning the world title in Russia against Kovalev, which would have obviously changed everything, but it didn't. Um, and I mean, the lack of sparring, if that's true, everyone seemed to see it as a problem. And I, I just wonder if it is a problem because it just seems like there's no plan, but there's no awareness. There's, no, there's a strange lack of awareness. And it's sort of, I'd be interested to see what George said, like how we can, for us laymen, just to say exactly why sparring is so important because it's basically just been rubbished by that side. And they've said, well, it's bad because you get hit in the head and your brain, it's, a brain, it's a cerebral sport, so you don't want to damage your brain. But it's like, no, but you actually need to spar. But it's kind of, the proof's in the pudding for me. That's two two big step-ups he's had. One really big one and one sort of, you know, a 50-50 fight. Or even Massey, he was a big favourite anyway. And he's lost them. He's lost both fights. Like, there has to be something, there's something wrong, isn't there? Mm. It's, a valid, it's a valid point. It's a valid point to sparring, in, uh, over-sparring, etc. But, you know, if you... If you're going to do training, what are you doing? You're preparing for a fight. You're practicing for a real fight. And what better practice is there than sparring? Like, that's the closest you're going to get to a real fight. So if you're not going to do that practice, then you're at a severe disadvantage. Now, there are fighters out there who don't do a lot of sparring, but you have to do some sparring. Um, There are fighters out there that I believe have got to... Chris Eubank Jr., right? I believe he's got to the highest level through sparring alone, you know, of course he's, you know, he's a fitness fanatic. He's super, you know, he's strong. He does all these other, uh, all these other things, but he's, he's, he worked without a coach for large periods of his, of his career. But in the, in the build up to his career, as he's, as he's making his way through, he's sparring the guys that are 
further on in their careers than he is. He's sparring world champions. He's, he's you know, he's done untold rounds with me, with James DeGale, with Carl Frotch, you know, many others. And that, that, that's where he learned how to fight. You know, that's where he, that's where he became a better fighter. And does it not also give you like, like for you, like when you were sparring, for instance, when you were a young guy coming up beyond the prospect, but you know, when you were sparring someone like Carl Frotch, you could go in there, have a spar and be like, okay, this is where I am. And that's where Carl Frotch is. He's a world champion that I'm actually here now, or no, I need to work on this or I got caught a bit. When you don't get that, surely mentally there's something missing because he obviously, they, the whole thing is that everyone in the team and him as well believe he's, you know, the second coming. But actually, unless you have those rounds where you go somewhere and spar a world champion and get a hiding somewhere maybe, and, you know, you don't actually know where you are. No, definitely. It's, it's of course, a measuring stick for where you are and where... It's, it's highly motivational, you know, where you're like, right, well, this guy is at the very top and I'm pushing him all the way or, you know, I've got some way to go, so I need I know what I need to work on, you know. Sometimes you might be in there and the guy in front of you is pulling you around. Do you know what I mean? He's not giving away all the tricks he knows. Um, as well as, I mean, there's things that you just can't practice on the pads. You know, um, you can't practice what it's like being that close to another human being, getting tired up, you know, seeing the reaction, seeing the tells that come from the guy in front of you, being able to counter off them, being able to set the traps. Um Pad work. I mean, I'm a massive advocate of pad work. You know, the fighters out there that don't do pad work either, you know, they don't have that one-to-one -one time with a coach who's critiquing them and trying to improve them and, you know, working on specific shots and defense drills on the pads. Vitally important, but sparring also is. It shouldn't be used for fitness. You know, it should be used as a sharpening tool. You know, that's when you're going to get problems later on in life. If, if you're knocking out a couple of hundred rounds of sparring, um, every camp just to get the weight off or just to get sharp again, you know, just to get, no, it's, you know, get fit. You know, I, I would spar two or three times a week, um, three times maximum in a build up to a big fight. Nine times out of 10, because it's difficult to get sparring in, it would be twice a week and you would build it up gradually. So if you're doing two, eight rounders, you know, um, in a week, that's only 16 rounds of sparring you know, for a whole week. And you can, when you work out how often you're in the gym, you know, some guys might be sparring every day. You know, you want to space out your sparring just in case you do get a little knock or a little black eye or sore rib or something. But you can't discount sparring. It's, um, it's vital. You know, I think all the best fighters must have sparred, you know, um, every fighter now in the modern era does sparring. They should do sparring. You know, you might go back a, a generation or two and talk to like Nigel Ben, who says um, didn't like a lot of sparring. But you look at Nigel Ben's style; he would have gone in and just had a tear up in, in sparring, like he used to have a tear up in a fight. And yeah, if you're a trainer, you don't really want to have him tear ups day in day out because they didn't know as much as we know now. Um, but you know, footballers, you know, I've never done any uh, professional football training, but. You see they do drills, like they do so many drills, you know, um, because you can't just sit in front of a, a pad and say, right, okay, you need to be here, 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 you need to kick it over there, you need to practice. They have, they have small-sided matches every day, don't they? Because it's, it's, yeah. it's competitive. It's competitive, and yeah, that's another thing to not write off, you know, the competitive element. Um, 
just being comfortable under fire. Like I talk to people, I've been boxing all my life. You know, I talk to people and say, we've never done anything. And it's the thought of getting punched in the face is bizarre to people. Um, to me, <laughs> well, well, it's like every day. What's the problem? But obviously you take it to, to the extremities of being a professional boxer. It's being comfortable under fire. Like, um, getting your head knocked back, seeing stars, inspiring, and then knowing what to do with it, you know, knowing how to cope after. Um, I don't advocate that for sparring, let yourself get, get chinned and then uh, go from there. But, um, I mean, it's, it's, it's a no-brainer. Not literally, but it's a no-brainer for sparring. You've got to spar. <laughs> Obviously, a lot of this talk will be, or a lot of the, the fallout will be about Anthony Yard. But Lyndon Arthur, where does it, where does it put him, Jack, in terms of the pecking order? Maybe difficult to, to evaluate, but obviously it's not done him any harm. That puts him right up there because I think he's 29 as well. It's not like he's a pup. He's, um, you know, he needed this fight because there's a lot of talk about the other guys um, at light heavy. And I think he's, He's right, clearly right up there. He's big, strong, obviously got a great jab, um, fearless. Like he's, I think he's a great like addition. I say addition, but you know, I'd love to see him with any of those guys. And we said, I said this back in September that you know we were talking about Yard Buatsi. It was like, hold on a sec. Actually, if he, if Arthur can beat Yard, that proves to me that he's ready. For, I'd love to see the Buatsi fight. I'd love to see him fight Callum Johnson, for instance. I mean, these are quality fights. And it's just another guy in the mix. And it was someone who was overlooked because it's almost like he's up in Manchester. He's clearly dangerous and, you know, really is the sort of guy, proper who needs him club. But he's Commonwealth champion. Um, what was that? Some sort of WBO belt as well. So, you know, he's in the rankings. Um, yeah, I think I'd love to see any of those fights. Um, I don't actually know his contractual situation, whether he's properly contracted to BT and to Frank Warren. Um, if he's not, it's going to make it much easier for him to move around and get a Buatsi fight or something like that. Or maybe they do sort of cross the divide as they sort of keep threatening with these guys. Um, yeah, I, th I feel like to have an immediate rematch, I guess he would get well paid for it. But I feel like he's earned it now. He's earned it via that, that win to go and have, a, have another fight, go and fight someone else um, if, it, if the opportunity presents itself. And I think, I think good on him because he was overlooked for a long time. We heard about all the other light heavyweights, but... That's the sort of thing, that's the sort of victory which opens doors for you. And at 29, that's what he needed. And we talked last week about Joe Joyce's contract and then it turned out he'd signed a new one with Frank Warren before the fight. So reading between the lines, it would probably make sense that Frank did the same thing with Lyndon Arthur. And given their recent tete-a-tete, -tete, him and Heron are not, are not making fights anytime soon. It's, it's the unfortunate situation which looked to be thawing earlier in the summer. He'll, he'll have um, options. Surely have options, won't he? Like, as we know, it's 40th anniversary. He's not, he's not an idiot. He'll have some options on it, on a rematch or whatever it is, even though Arthur's a champ. They'll be, you would think if they want a rematch, they'll have a rematch. But, I mean, yeah, we'll get paid well for it though. So, happy days. For sure. Coming up in part two, we will look back at El Spence's victorious return against Danny Garcia. In Texas on Saturday night in front of 16,000 fans, I believe, Errol Spence returned after 14 months out and a near-death experience to beat Danny Garcia comfortably on points. 
I guess, Jens, the question beforehand was just what kind of Errol Spence we would see, how he was affected by the car crash and the timeout, and it turns out it was a pretty good version of Errol Spence. Yeah, it seems like he's um, he hasn't really lost a step based on that. Um, he has punch resistance, sweet as a nut, really. Seemed like, and good on him because he could have taken a tune-up. He said he didn't fancy one, wanted a good one, and as a, I thought it was a really entertaining fight as well. Spent, you know, really good chin, Spence still as well, because I was worried about that. You never really know what happens to the brain and stuff. It obviously a, a very serious crash. And Garcia caught him a couple of times. A little bit, um, I don't know, tactically, he seemed to, we talked about that left hook, especially the no-look left hook, the famous one. He didn't really throw it at all. He seemed to be wanting more, um, and I thought it'd be particularly um, effective against the southpaw, but he seemed to want, he was looking more for a right hook a lot of the time. I don't know, it must have been uh, Spence's positioning more than anything, but yeah. Errol Spence, uh, arguably the best win on his record, that one. Um, and just nudges it, nudging him up that that pound for pound um, ranking. A lot of people have him really high. For me, he's he's been a slow burner. I was ma not massively high on him. Or at least I thought his record wasn't as great as many of the others up there. But um, that's a really good, solid win. Um, and now... Um, it seems like he's just as good as he ever was. Mm. I, mean, I know Mikey Garcia was obviously coming up some weeks, but that's Mikey Garcia, uh, Sean Porter, Danny Garcia, back to back, back to back, I'm pretty sure. Uh, and just another like, impressive performance, George. Yeah, it really was. It really was. I mean, it was a quality bit of boxing to watch, you know, from the get-go. I mean, we know they're both quality operators. Um, Spence, I don't, I don't think, you know, there's anything... No, no deterioration from him since since his last fight, since the crash. Um, it felt like um, it was. I mean, the aggressive fighters. You know, uh, Garcia will take a shot and have to punch back. Um, Spence, from about the mid mid rounds onwards, I felt was starting to just impose. He was able to impose himself a bit more. Like it was catching up with Garcia, and up until that point. Um, Expense was winning the fight, but I didn't know. You, you wasn't sure if it was going to take that sort of turn that I felt it did. Um, so the, the just just shows that the punches were have, having such an effect. Um, but a real real quality operator, I think. Um, yeah, when you got Orthodox versus Southpaw deck, sometimes it's hard to get that that lead that lead hook off when the guys got that different sort of distance. And there's there's so much um, target. For each guy coming off the backhand, um, but they both got you know power shots. Every shot in the book, you know, Garcia will go bent arm shots, head and body. Um, Spence is more more straight shots, but um, yeah, I mean it was it was really really good to watch. And I think Spence definitely definitely pushes him up the pound for pound ranking. Um, you know, I don't think we're ever, you know we're all going to want the Crawford fight, but um, it's such a great division with. Huge names that are still still in good you know good nick operating well so it's exciting because there's just so many more fights that, that can be done and they they're willing to fight each other um, yeah uh, yeah pro probably definitely the, the maybe yeah maybe the best name on on his record now um, say Garcia had, uh, Mikey Garcia had to move up so um, he had that you know against him um, beat Kel Brook but after after an eye injury. Um, come back after a loss. The Porter fight done really well. Um, 
and yeah, no, last night boxed box brilliantly. We talked about the divide in the UK, of course, there's a, another divide in America. And actually, after the fight, Spence was asked about what's next, of course, and he said, you didn't mention uh, Terence Crawford. I'm not sure you mentioned any of you said he wants to, to fight again in the summer. So we're talking six, seven months anyway. If we assume the Crawford fight can't be made next, Pacquiao, yeah, uh, Porter I'll take, again. I take I take either of them, um, but I've got this funny I've got this funny feeling. There's a bit of a uh, a thawing, or maybe it's a sort of gradual movement together of the two because they've never even mentioned Crawford on those PBC shows before. And they've actually, they did. And he was there and they, they, you know, put him on the screen and stuff. We know he's got this issue with top rank. and We don't really know how that's going to be resolved yet. Um, you know, Bob Arum said some stuff about how he's lost, how Crawford's lost him a lot of money and things like that. So I wonder whether before too long, we're actually going to see Crawford on, on the PBC. And then that fight gets made um, at the drop of a hat because they're not getting any younger, the pair of them. Both of them are keep having to sort of, battle against this thing where, okay, yeah, you're beating all the other guys, but what about the guy? Um, but yeah, Pacquiao would be great. I mean, we spoke the same about Crawford, didn't we? we went, well, if it's not going to be one of those two, Pacquiao's still about and it's still going to be a massive fight. Um, I'm hopeful, maybe not this summer, because I feel like it's going to be a fan. Oh, they're saying that, they've got fans in. So maybe by the summer, it's sweet and they can get, um, they can get fans in. But I did see some quotes about a Canelo fight. Um, Spence, Spence and Canelo. Um, that maybe not next, but Canelo, uh, obviously not a massive, obviously not a massive super middle or a massive middleweight. Uh, and if Spence wants to go up one, that's that's something that they're talking about and thinking about already. It won't be next, but it's interesting. Um, and you know that Spence wouldn't say no. I didn't, I didn't hear that. I mean, can Canelo, I know he, yeah, you're right, he's not a big super middleweight, but would he still want to come back down all the way to 154? Depends what the money's at. If you think you'd get 100,000 in that Texas, in that Alamo Dome. He's got, he's got, uh, I assume Canelo's got a lot of money already. And, um, it's lovely earning a lot of money, but I don't, I don't, I think he's, um, yeah, I think his light middleweight days are over, you know. Mm. Um, once you go up and put on the size that he's put it on, that he's put on, um, it's going to be iron impossible to strip that size off again. Um, middleweight, yeah, but I, I can't see him getting down to, to, to like middle I might be wrong I might be wrong um, but yeah we're, I think we're, it might be a fan, more of a fanciful thing because of Texas and the, the following that they both got there um, I mean it ain't going to happen for a while but it's, a, it's an interesting one to keep an eye on hmm. if we do get Crawford and you're right I mean I think the Crawford's contract with top rank is up in November anyway so it may be that the relationship is so broken that they just come to the point and say listen let's just you know Crawford says, I'm not going to fight unless I fight X, Y, Z. Oh, we can't get you X, Y, Z. Let's just go our separate ways. That would be possibly the, you know, the quickest way to, to a fight. If we get it, Crawford against Spence, based on their last two performances, I guess, most recently, how, how do we see it going? Go on, George. I don't know. I don't know. Um... <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to go against Spence. Um, there's something. I don't know. I don't know. I've always, I've always fancied Crawford in that fight. Um, I thought you was going to say the draw then, Dick. <laughs> I mean, get your money on the draw. Split decision either way. But I mean, 
to be fair, it's going to be tight. It's going to be tight. You know, I don't see either of them getting stopped in that fight. I see a lot of wiggling around and, and you know, non-action. Uh, maybe a draw could be good. But I've always fancied Crawford, even though he's a smaller guy. Um, I just feel he's a little bit more, he's just got a little bit more in the locker. Um, might be wrong. I think he, uh, Spencer's the bigger puncher, but it's about trying to, trying to land. Um, it's just such a good fight. It's just like, it's almost one you've get. I've almost given up on ever seeing it, which is sad, really. But that's a, that's a you know a sad indictment of boxing at the moment. But yeah, I would I, I would pick Crawford in that. But there's a long I think there's a lot a long way to go. Hopefully, what nevertheless we will see in the next well, let's say year to eight months. Let, let's be oh, optimistic, but you never know. Final recap for this week is from Friday night, where Billy Joe Saunders made sure it was five times unlucky. For Martin Murray in world title fights, Saunders kept hold of his WBO super middleweight title. Two judges gave him every round. I mean, a very predictable result, right? Unanimous decision, all, every round, etc., etc. So let's take put that to one side. But in terms of a performance, was it a performance that we should be particularly excited about? Or was Billy Joe once again just didn't quite do enough? I felt like he maybe probably could have stopped him. If he really wanted to, um, yeah. I mean, yeah. You can't really say much more than you've said there because I feel like Billy Joe. I said this last week as well. I think unless he gets someone who's he's a bit fear and that he's worried about, then he's just going to do that all night. He's just going to coast, and he doesn't really need to take any risks. I think he likes Martin Murray as well, and I think you know they're both of MTK and stuff like that. I think they. Um, He's not a bully. I don't think he wanted to go out there and hurt him or anything like that. He was happy to just box his way through that um, unscathed. And then we say it all the time, look ahead to a big fight, but it's just, did nothing for me, that fight. I and mean, when we said that last week, um, it was exactly like Martin Murray was not powerful enough for him, really not big enough to impose himself. And in terms of boxing skill, not, not, in, not in the same standard. As, so it was like, from the from the off, it was like okay, well, this is clear how this, how this fight's going to go. Um, yeah, it's just like yeah, it's one, it's one of them. <laughs> wasn't it? it was it was one it was one. You know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna rewatch it. I don't think. Don't want to see a rematch. I mean, what I would say, Martin Murray. I mean, what a great servant to the sport. Um, fought everyone. He fought George. Um, really unlucky in Argentina and elsewhere. Argentina was the big one where I thought he actually won that fight. The Sturm fight, I think he probably lost or it was close, but um, to not win a world title after what he did there was was sad. Um, but I think he was never going to beat Billy Joe Saunders, so it wasn't like that was his last chance for me. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't a big chance for him because as long as Saunders was fit, um, he wasn't losing that fight. But yeah, it was okay, wasn't it? Yeah, no, you, you can't say too much more, but George, at what point... You know, there is an argument, and Eddie Howe made it quite often through the week, that Billy Joe Saunders is our most naturally talented fighter, you know, pound for pound best fighter. But you can't say that if he's on his last three performances and, in fact, his entire super middleweight uh, resume. Yeah, I, I, find that, I find that bizarre, really bizarre when people... I mean, Eddie Hearn, who has an authority, you know, as a, as a voice that, that, that can transcend, you know, people will listen to him and think that he knows what he's all about, but... Most of the time, um, you know, there's there's a, a, a business agenda behind it, and 
I'm sitting there thinking, is Billy, where do I rank Billy Joe Saunders in the super British super middleweight list? And I've got him down at number four. And then Eddie Hearn says he's pound for pound the best fighter in Britain. And I'm wondering, well, he definitely doesn't beat Callum Smith for me. I think John Ryder's recent performances put him in front of him. And I think Chris Eubank Jr., if he's up for it, beats him as well. So um, he's fought once or twice a year for, as I said, for the last seven years. I think the last three years, he's only fought once a year. Obviously, the pandemic, like, that's fine for everyone else, you know, in terms of the last year. But um, he blows hot and cold, cold more often than, than hot. I haven't, you know, you can't roll back to his amateur achievements. And I feel like that was the last time I saw something that was some, that was something to be excited about. Um, uh, Friday night, he, you know, he beat Martin Murray, who's a great ambassador for the sport, but he, even his demeanor in fight week seemed like it had changed. I saw an interview um, in the build up to the fight. It was a few days before and he's sort of in his hotel room in a dressing gown, you know, long hair, a bit of a beard. And he, he sort of had that, that, that relaxed dad look that, you know, ain't great for fight week. And um, there was no, nothing intense about him. You know, it was, it was almost like he, if, if, if you're wondering, like, maybe it's just fate that, you know, fifth time lucky, I'll be, you know, I'll go down the record book and, you know, this, this could be my time. I've paid my dues, but boxing's cruel. It's not like that. You know, it's not that, you know, you deserve it. You have to go out and get it. And, for me, Saunders needed to stop him and stop him well. And even if he had stopped him well, you're like, what can we take from this fight? But actually, it just went another 12 rounds. Martin Murray, um, you know, I said it in the on the night um, for Sky that, you know, he, he has a high, high hands. He'll move into range. His feet are good, but slow but he doesn't pull the trigger anymore. You know, he gets into range and just doesn't pull the trigger. And it's not even that he um, hesitates and then throws. He just doesn't even throw, you know. Um, is is he waiting for that perfect shot to appear? Or is that a mental block thing? I don't know. You know, um, he's been in there with the best fighters in the world. You know, he's, he's um, as I say, he's a terrific, he's got, he's got a lot of ability, but... At 38 years of age, when you know, I thought he retired, he, or he said he was going to retire a couple of years ago. The fight with me was billed as their last chance 50 50, and that was four and a half years ago. Um, you know, uh, so yeah, Saunders, uh, he's world champion, two weight world champion, but for me, still yet to um, to show anything. To you know, I, I don't see where he goes from there, he doesn't set the world alight, you know. Um, <laughs> the same with, with Callum Smith, I suppose, that like you'd think that you had to earn a fight with Canelo because of the stature and the prestige and you know the profile that goes with it. But I feel like maybe Canelo's run run out of there's no one out there that fits that bill. He doesn't want to fight Golovkin again, so he's got to go through the through the tears and Saunders was probably an easier fight for him, but Saunders didn't want it, so now it's it's Callum Smith. Um I don't know. It was, it was, you know, he, he did, he did, he did everything right on the night. Southwest, stance. He landed a couple of lead uppercuts, which for me is, um, a, it's a shot. It's, it's like, it's a shot you don't want to get hit with. It's, it's an embarrassing shot to get hit with. You shouldn't get hit with lead uppercuts. You can't really generate a lot of power with it um, because 
you bounce off the front foot. You're not you're not getting the leverage from from the the weight on the back of your you know on the, the rear of your body. Um, it's like getting nutmegged, you know, in a five-a-side game. It's like, oh, he's done me, you know. Um, and I think Martin Murray knows that. So, you know, guy, you should know that, you know, these two pros. So maybe that was just like a muggy shot that, that Sean is hitting with, that he's like, he got him with it uh, twice. He did drop him. I thought he, I thought he hurt him in the fourth and he went down, um, sort of stumbled, tra- went, for the, went to hold on, missed, went down, scored a no knockdown. But, um, you know, Sean is in the interview after said, oh, that that could have changed the fight um, if he was counted 10. But if he'd got gotten the count, he would have got less time to recover. So I thought he'd sort of undone his argument there. Um, but yeah, you know, much like Saunders, there was periods where you're like, you want to see a bit more. I think he should have, he should have, he should have tried to put, put, put a bit more meat on the shots to try and um, stop Um Murray and he didn't and I don't really know where he goes from there you know um same same again that he said it'd take him a while to get into his rhythm he hasn't been active enough you know uh, made a few excuses to the you know in that regard but he's been like his whole career so you know maybe maybe he needs to needs to be on on his promoter to get him another fight you know, in the next few months to keep him in the gym and keep him keep him improving. I think he looked fit. He looked fitter than, than before. And working with Mark Tibbs, I think, will be an improvement. Um, I think, you know, Tibbs might have uh, might have that way about him that a fighter like Saunders would need. Um, a little bit more of, you know, an authority figure of keeping him in the gym, keeping him, you know, on his diet and keeping him motivated. So we'll have to see. I mean, I think he... I think he, he's the likelihood is that he will box. He could box Callum Smith if Callum Smith loses next week. He's not going to get. He might box Callum Smith if Callum Smith wins next week, but I just don't see how he's going to get a Canelo fight. I think the WBO came out afterwards and said, "It's ludicrous for He's got ten days to 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 make a fight with either Canelo, who's obviously not making a fight before he even fights, or Demetrius Andrade." Uh, or he's got to face his mandatory, who most likely will be Zach Parker, who was supposed to fight Friday, but uh, couldn't because his opponent's cutman got COVID. So it's, it's very difficult to see him going straight into a, a, a bit, unless he can do a deal with Andre, which of course was almost done before at middleweight, which would then mean that Andre wouldn't have to defend his title against Leo Williams at middleweight. Unless he can do that fight, I think it may well just be Zach Parker, which I can't imagine Billy Joe Saunders will be particularly excited about either. No. I think he's going to end up on fighting Andrade on DAZN in a Ryan Garcia, Luke Campbell sort of vibe. He'll be on DAZN over here and in America. He'll get paid. Um, because I'm not sure what, how they would do Billy Joe Saunders against Zach Parker because it's not a pay-per-view fight and Saunders is quite expensive. I don't, can, I don't see that as a Saturday night fight night. I don't know if you do, unless they can save it for an undercard of... Joshua or something like that, which is unlikely and long, a long way away and would not fulfil those WBO sort of obligations. So I expect him to fight Andre, who's a similar figure to Saunders in America in that all the talent, bags of talent, that people just don't connect with him or have, have kind of lost interest because they've been waiting so long for um, him to have this big fight. Um, there's some needle and some history there. I thought it was a great fight back when it was supposed to happen. Um, Stylistically, it might not be 
it would be one for the purist, put it that way. But um, it'd be good to get that one out of the way, and then who, whichever one of those can can push on. I think it's a um, a real intriguing fight, and that's what I see. I see that being a disown one. I think that's the only way he can get paid at the moment because where how else can he how else can he get paid the money that he that he wants and that he's used to? Yeah, I mean yeah. that's a great great point, Dick, as well. Because like I was working out what are they getting paid, like Martin Murray as well. Um, for a free-to-air show on Sky, you know, when they've got a lot of overheads now because of the, you know, the coronavirus procedures that they put in. But is this just an excuse, though, so that he can fight a mandatory um, instead of fighting a big name? Again, like, is like, are they in cahoots with the WBO to say, right, come, come, you put this sort of time frame stipulation on us, they throw Canelo in, in, in the mix as well, as if, like, Canelo's, you know, some sort of mandatory for the WBO. Um, and then, yeah, it turns out oh, it's an easy, easy made, cheaper fight, you know, against Parker that, that's, um, you know, that can fit in anywhere in the schedule. Because even if I'm Anthony Joshua, do I, do I want to be, do I want to be putting that on my undercard? Because he's coming out of his purse, you know, yeah. he's on a percentage of profits. He's going to want the maximum value for money in terms of his chief support that's going to go on his card. Um, he has no, I don't think he has any affiliation with MTK. So it's not like, you know, they're borrowing from Beat to Pay Paul and it's all under one umbrella. You know, he's looking after his fighters. That's why he's got Lawrence Acoli on his undercard as chief support yeah. in a world title fight, which is going to be an expensive fight. Um, but he's looking after his fighters. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I my, It's a great shout from your deck that he could end up on the DAZN show. Um, but, also, it could just be another, another mandatory, mandatory that we were talking about last week. I guess if they end up pushing, because Pavetka has not definitely said that he could definitely fight at the end of January. So maybe if they push that back a bit, I don't Parker's think he obviously fight, he can't fight. Um, Saunders can't fight Dylan White, mate. He's too small. Yeah, but you were holding us with Canelo and Spence. <laughs> Um, Parker's obviously fit he's been in cab he was basically hours away from fighting so maybe if that fight gets pushed back to February but otherwise I suspect you're probably right with Andred that's part two in part three we'll look ahead to Anthony Joshua's return against Kubrat Pulev well, Saturday night Anthony Joshua defends his three heavyweight world titles against Kubrat Pulev in front of 1,000 fans but really, there'll be a third man, or not the referee, the third man in the ring, if you like. Tyson Fury, of course, lurks the possible. We won't actually be there, Declan, I saw your face. <laughs> but he lurks in the background, of course. Hopefully, if Joshua comes through, that fight will take place next year. But first things first, without meaning to be too disrespectful, there's been a lot of talk, especially around the pay-per-view, but a lot of talk that this is a comparable fight with uh, Andy Ruiz Jr. in terms of the opponent from last year for Joshua. But... For a start, very, very different styles. Uh, you know, Ruiz was, we saw that style gave Joshua trouble. I don't see how Kubrat Pulev, at 39 years old, three years after they were originally supposed to fight, can really give Joshua too much trouble unless Joshua has fallen off the wagon over the last 12 months. Yeah, I would, uh, <laughs> I, would say, I would say that's. That's about right. Um, I can't. I, it's obviously totally different to Ruiz. I think the main factor, though, is that's never. I don't ever see that happening to Joshua again. He clearly taken his eye off the ball, and he done. 
underprepared maybe not, but you know, he, uh, he wasn't, he didn't expect what was going to happen. But now he's seen that and he's tasted that. I don't see that happening again to him, particularly not against Kubrat Pulev. He was supposed to box three years ago, would have had a much better chance then. I just think style-wise, size-wise, he's absolutely perfect for Joshua. Um, and also the, the talk about the Fury thing, it was the same with the Ruiz and everyone was talking about Wilder. I don't think Joshua's overlooking Pulev. I think he will see him as a job that he needs to do. The one little caveat or, you know, side note is that, yeah, there are no fans and he's used to... He, he probably hasn't boxed in front of a crowd this small since, I don't know, since he was 20. You know, since he was boxing in, like, Hungary, some tournament in Finland or, I don't know, you know. He, he, every single one of his profiles have massive crowd. He's used to it. So... How he adjusts to that is going to be interesting, but Pulev's got to do the same. I think this is a this is a quick job. I think this is inside six, even earlier, maybe. I just cannot see for the life of me what Pulev can do as soon as Joshua hits him with a hits him with a right hand. I just I think I just see him going over pretty pretty sharpish. I don't mean any disrespect for him. I just think Star Wars is absolutely perfect for Joshua. Mm. I suspect we'll hear a lot this week. Uh, oh, Pulev's only lost once. And that was to Vladimir Klitschko. It was. It was six years ago. It was in the fifth round. He was stopped. And since then, we, we talked about this earlier, Josh. He's really, if you want to pick out names, it's Derek Chisora, split decision victory four year, over four years ago. Huey Fury, Bogdan Denu, Rudel Booker, his last few fights. He's just not, on, he's just not on, at the same level. No, I don't think so. I think um, he's, got, he's got to that level where he's now... An opponent for the for the big guys, you know, he's going to box his way into a manager position like he is here, and um, yeah, but I I agree with that. I don't really see I see it going uh, early early ish. I think uh, rounds four to six. Um, I think he'll get he'll get put away. Um, you've got um, Joshua now, who's you know come unstuck once before, taking off the ball. I think there will be that. You know, in the in the rematch against Ruiz, it was always safety first. Just win the just win the fight. That's what it felt like. Um, don't engage with this guy. Um, but I don't think that will be Joshua from here on in. Um, I think he'll want to make a statement. I think it just take him a, a round or two to to steady Pulev up. And I think yeah, from you know, four I think four or six is a safe safe bet for from me that um, once he lands, he's going to put him away. Um, it might go earlier. It really might go earlier. Um, I can't see Pulev being that elusive. Um, I think Joshua, I don't know what he's weighing this week, but I can imagine he's going to weigh in slightly on the heavier side. Heavy, definitely heavier than the last fight. And um, yeah, I think the big shot's going to go and he can put him away. Um, can't see much more than a Joshua win. A Joshua win is 10 to 1 on with Betfair. Pulev 7 to 1. The draw 33 to 1. Some round betting, I can't give you four to six, I can give you five to six, nine to two, five to eight, fifteen to eight. What's a bit earlier? What, what about like what about two, two, two to three, something like that? Anything earlier? Oh, I can give you three to four at nine to two. Mm. I mean, they're not they're not particularly attractive odds, are they? Let's be honest, and that there's a reason for that. Um, yeah. maybe what's a split decision? No, I'm <laughs> um, no, I mean, uh, there's a reason why they're not that attractive. Um, is it, although it's always interesting, it's a bit like I was listening to another podcast with you, George, and you were saying often you wouldn't do an awful lot in the first round because you're just feeling it out and you, you've got no reason to do that. But 
I feel like in this sort of a fight, Joshua might just storm out and just and just land something. And you know what Joshua's like, as soon as you've got someone backing up, particularly someone who's physically smaller than him, they got nowhere to go. And they just end up, even if they're not out on their back, they just end up on the ropes, taking a barrage, and it could be over like that. Um, or, or he just thinks, right, I've been out for a while, let's go and have a little move around for a few rounds, and then, and then think about stopping it, you know, get used to the being no fans and whatever else. It's always hard to gauge. Um, but yeah, what we're all interested in is what happens next. Exactly. And the thing is, as, as much as this fight may not be anything of, of note, it's really worked out well. The fact that Joshua has to fight Pulev as his mandatory, Tyson Fury no longer, it would seem, going to fight Deontay Wilder. So there's actually, as far as we're aware, no reason why they can't sign on the dotted line. They should do it live on, on Sky on Saturday night, but they should, certainly in the days to come after that. So... I could not care less how easy this fight is for Joshua as long as uh, they do the deal with Tyson Fury. If you were Tyson Fury, George, and, and Sky phones you up and says, come and be ringside, would you be there on Saturday night? I know he's just gone on holiday. I wonder if that's a little deflection. But if you were if you were Tyson Fury, would you be there? Uh, yeah, why not? <laughs> keeps your profile high, keeps you relevant. You know, um, his profile is high, he's relevant, but you still got to do the... Do, do the task. They're going to fight at some point, or at least they believe they're going to fight at some point. So this is another step in the right direction um, to making this an even bigger fight. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, why not? You, you'll go. You'll probably. It, part of him will definitely want to be there to assess. You know, Joshua up close. I don't know when the last time he did that. Um, also, you know, that's that's if you're allowed to be. How close you're allowed to be in the arena. Um, next week but yeah I can see Joshua going out you know if, even if these guys have agreed amongst each other that this fight ain't going to happen for a couple of years um, they're going to drag it out but um, it will have to happen um, and they have to you know sell it that it's going to happen sooner rather than later so um, yeah he's going to be there he can't not be there I mean Sky, Sky, Sky profiling um, Tyson, like he's a sky fighter, you know, and yet he's been boxing on BT. Um, you know, much like they, you know, they they developed Joshua's profile so well, and yet, like, by sticking him in random places, random, randomly hearing his name, stuff that wasn't relevant to him, they're doing it now with Fury because I think they see it as this is a fight that's going to end up on a pay-per-view channel in the UK, and Sky it has to be on Sky, you know, so, you know, we're not hurting ourselves by promoting a guy who's essentially at the moment not signed to them or at least I, I don't believe so so what, what is your feeling Jack about whether that fight happens I mean it would be next for well next for Joshua most likely unless Fury does take a fight in say March but what is your feeling in terms of it being next for both men I sort of get this feeling with with Fury in particular that he's already thinking about an exit and he's thinking about an exit plan. And then what do you do when that's the case? You think, where am I going to get the most amount of money from for the least amount of fights? Um, he's getting towards the end of that ESPN contract. I think the, the, the broadcasting thing is the, is the concern and the, obviously always the major hurdle these days. It's big enough fight for them. If they really had to, they could do like a dual broadcast job. I get this feeling, this impression that it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen next year. It's going to happen. Providing um, they get we get fans back and we get crowds back to normal. It's based on the vaccine in that sense. Then it could be in the summer in this country, but 
my gut feeling would be as sad as it is to say for a fight of this magnitude for this country is that it will end up in in Saudi or Dubai or Bahrain or whoever can stump up the biggest site fee and it will be such a colossal amount of money that every everything else doesn't matter anymore and everyone then can shake hands because everyone wants a bit of that so I'm confident massively confident that they'll fight next year it's just where um, and you would assume as well they wouldn't fight in Saudi in June because it's too hot. Um, but yeah, I would think it's going to be both next for both men next year abroad. I, I still remember you coming back from Saudi last time and reading about it. So I love I Saudi. Really as a journalist, as a journalist, it's amazing because the time difference is very good for deadlines. Uh, the weather's nice and you can't drink. So there's no, no fuzzy heads. You've got to get on with your work. And um, yeah, I mean, but it's sad, isn't it, that, that a fight of that magnitude will end up there. But I think um, based on the current situation in the world, um, I think that's what we're going to get. I suppose if you can, I don't know how you could, but if you guarantee if, that, if there is a second fight, that it probably... I think there'll be three. I think there are three fights. Okay. I really do. And then they'll both walk off into the sunset and imagine how rich they're going to be and good on them. Yeah. And I think the quicker a deal can be done as well, the more chance there is that they can make it for all the belts. I don't, I mean, I'm, I know you think we'll be on Eddie, I'm sure on Sunday again, what's happening, what's happening. But if it is going to be him and Joe Joyce, I'm not sure that fight happens anytime soon. So I think there's maybe a bit more hope now uh, that it's for all the belts rather than having to, to drop the WBO. It should be nice. I mean, I'm not fussy, but it's just a nice. It's just nice to say they be an undisputed champion. I think. I think the problem you've got is that if they do, if they don't get the, their hands on that WBO belt now, I think Joshua and Fury are going to be tied up for so long, for two years, fighting in three fights that then they're never going to get their hands on that belt. It's just going to those two are just going to fight each other for all of them for a while. So, if I was either Usyk or Joyce or whoever, I'd be getting on the WBO now. But who knows? And like you say, I really couldn't care less. I couldn't care less if there wasn't a single belt on the line whatever excellent well that is a good way to end it we will be back next week as i said we'll be back on sunday live twitter facebook youtube so please do subscribe to the channel we'll look back at joshua pulev and hopefully ahead to joshua fury and we'll also look ahead to Gennady golovkin's return a week on friday and then of course canelo smith again no canelo well it is canelo smith but Canelo Alvarez against Callum Smith on the Saturday night. What a fight to end the year. Until then, thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next week.